0: Businesses, this is what we, we we have to do, throw it off to, to IT, and they take very, very long because they're typically maintenance IT, right? 80 90% of their effort is keeping the lights on. So you're, so if it, uh, often this analogy is used. You want to have new oil in the car while the car is driving and running. That's very, very difficult to do. But enter the new generation the the younger generation, Gen Zs, Gen Xs, and this enormous trend towards innovation and entrepreneurship, which we cannot ignore. You know, many, by the way, incumbent large organizations are, are losing a lot of the brain trust, the younger generation. They, they don't want to work there. They don't want to go corporate. There is a term even for that. So you you want to have innovation minimum viable products do it quickly come up with new ideas you know that's why the low code no code world is exploding
1: welcome to this podcast demystifying innovation by agile point I'm your host, Sharjeeel Soheib. The goal of this podcast is to reveal the best ideas that companies are using to become more agile and innovative in the enterprise world. We talk to the ones who are at the forefront of changing the way work gets done in medium to large companies. We interview world-class thinkers at the cross-section of business and IT. Every episode is packed with inspirations and action items that you can take and implement in your own enterprise environment. Check out the show notes at the bottom. Dr. Sethrag Khushafian is here. Dr. Sethrag is an author, innovator, and a person who deeply understands the cross-section of digital transformation and low-code, no-code in an enterprise context. This episode sheds light on the new book he has authored called How to Alleviate Digital Transformation Debt Post-COVID-19. I wanted to talk to him because he has an interesting concept he calls digital transformation debt and why companies and executives should take this debt seriously. It's time to listen and learn. Tell us about your background and your stint with Pega Systems.
0: I was fortunate uh, in my background To have worked in in two worlds. One is what is called intelligent database management system, and the other, intelligent business process management system. And these are sort of two sides of the same uh, coin. I moved from uh, Northern California to Boston. And in PEGI, I had several roles uh, everything from the direction of the product to marketing, and eventually became the chief evangelist. But I always kept my title and role as vice president of business process management. And I also introduced a number of interesting, I would say enablers for BPM, which still the BPM market has not really endorsed as much as they should. One of them is internet of things, and the other is blockchain. Uh, So um, I have done enormous amount of work in those areas what exactly is digital transformation debt yeah that's a great point and and i'm really glad you caught on to that so that's sort of the conclusion it brings it all together so i worked to me you know going back to my background in many 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 fortune 2000 organizations many of them at all levels cio managers developers et cetera data scientists i worked with them and I've seen this again and again and again. So organizations, they know uh, they have debt. They know they have to do something about it, right? They have to change, right? Productivity tools like agile, you know, your your platform. Uh, they need it. Yeah, they know it, but. Always within these organizations, there is typically a tension and it's not balanced. On the one hand, you have the business saying, we need to move much faster. We're losing ground. You know, the competition is coming, we're being disrupted. On the other hand, you have IT saying, well, hold on. You know, so we have to be careful. There are security vulnerabilities. There's malware uh, out there, you know, and and there are all kinds of performance problems. And, uh, you know, we need to do the the benchmarking. And the typical story, which sort of dovetails to a lot of what's happening in low-code, no-code, is businesses, this is what we, we, we have to do, throw it off. To, to it and they take very very long because they're typically maintenance it right 80 90 percent of their effort is keeping the lights on so you're so if it, uh, often this analogy is used you want to have new oil in the car while the car is driving and running that's very very difficult to do but enter the new generation the the younger generation gen z's gen xs and this enormous trend towards innovation and entrepreneurship, which we cannot ignore. You know, many, by the way, incumbent large organizations are are losing a lot of the brain trust, the younger generation. They, they don't want to work there. They don't want to go corporate. There is a term even for that. So you you want to have innovation minimum viable products do it quickly come up with new ideas you know that's why the low code no code world is exploding i mean i am not now an expert in that i have uh, published a yeah. couple of articles in uh, venturebeat i have started a new series you know those are the t- two articles and then i'm continuing it in cognitive world all aspects there are all types of no code no code it's very confusing but there is a reason for that right they want to get innovation fast they want to get ideas to reality fast and they're not scared of technology but then you have the it who's saying hold on right <laughs> be careful there are security vulnerabilities. you know let me give you a real example you can put a camera an iot camera you know digital camera out and go into productization rather quickly these days. I mean, all the components are there. Now, if you're not careful, because uh, I just was reading that a lot of these devices are being hacked. Mm -hmm. If you're not careful and you don't put the effort, which takes time, so you do the innovation, maybe a brand new type of digital camera, but you're not careful, you want to get things done fast, not right. You see that balance? Done fast, not done right. Then you'll introduce a lot of vulnerabilities. And this has happened. You can Google and see how everything from cameras, monitoring babies, to I was recently reading about routers. You know, you might have a great router idea to accelerate the internet. Who doesn't need that? But if you're not careful, you do it fast, but not right, and you don't balance. And that's not easy to balance. Right. It's not easy to balance and apply that to every single web and mobile application. You want to do it fast. You want to do it balanced. And, and so that's why the Competency Center, empowered Competency Center has to do it. It's good to have this tension. I, I call it tug of war. You, you, have, you need people on both sides with the right intention. Say one of them pushing back if you're doing too fast, the other is pushing back if you're doing too slow and spending a lot of time, you want to do everything perfectly. So that's why I like the MVP idea, but you, it needs to be balanced
1: who can really benefit from your book and the idea that there's digital transformation debt that needs to be tackled?
0: Yeah, another great question. So it's interesting. I don't want to give a cliche answer, but but let me set the context. The world has changed. Whatever level you are in an organization, so let's put them in three layers. You have the C-level, right? The CEO, CIO, CTO. And CIO could be chief information officer or Ch- chief innovation officer. There was at some point even chief process officer. So you, you have this C-level, of so forth, and, and all this. And then you have the mid-level managers and then the lowest level, the employees. The world has changed in the sense that we cannot, organizations cannot, Uh, be siloed and focus on just one thing whether you're a technology company or you are a fortune 2000 companies there are trends that are coming and i start the book it's very important with cultural trends right and let me highlight yeah to to set the tone that there is virtualization trend. Look how we're ho- holding this, I mean, all the virtual, but but virtualization is also changing with the digital twin of people and devices, et cetera. The metaverse, I was in Miami last week, I attended a Decentral Miami conference and the energy I, I, I saw there is incredible. In fact, there are two communities, I'm digressing a little little bit, but I want to relate it to the audience. There are two communities, and I follow this very, very carefully, where the energy and the enthusiasm to innovate and come up and change the world, really, it's more than innovation. Really, they want to change the world. I I heard the keynote of a CEO who is I think a billionaire now, and he still works and wants to change the world, goes and lectures. There are two communities which are doing this. One, more than anyone else. One is this blockchain metaverse, the decentralization world community, and the other is the low-code, no-code community. It's very interesting. And recently, I did some, I think, tweets. and say, if these two worlds combine in in the really part of the Web3, I always remind the uh, blockchain community not to forget low-code, no-code. So Mm -hmm. who is the audience? The audience uh, is everyone who needs to have a holistic view of this technology, starting with culture. So that's more on the shoulders of the C-level. Ending up in competency center, that's more on the shoulders of the mid-level managers. And in between are all these Technologies, operational excellence, which is what BPM, in fact, BPM, Business Process Management Community, has been touting low-code, no-code. We called it model-driven development. Uh, I remember doing a webinar on model-driven development. I've written on that extensively. So that's more sort of the lower level. They need to know all this, the uh, hyper-automation, the AI and data science, the citizen developer and the citizen data scientist. Who are these? You are asking who is the audience? Well, who is the citizen in citizen developer? Hmm. It's you and me, everybody. We're coming in a world where everybody, just as we can use PowerPoint, Word, Excel, and, and Zoom, we will be able, and this is happening, to build new innovative application. But then balance it, right? Remember, go, go back to your question. Yeah. So. It's confusing, right? Who is it? Well, culture, C-level, very important. A competency center, the mid-level managers, and then everybody, the citizen. In the middle of the book, I have citizen developer and citizen uh, data science. And if I may, the book comes in like paperback, hardback, and also there's an ebook version, Kindle, Nuke google so i recommend people to get both the hardback and the ebook because i spend a lot of time putting the references so the book is really i mean you can one sitting you can read it all and have a very good idea of the trends and the technologies it's not fluff but it doesn't get lost it's 200 pages with a lot of colorful illustrations but then if you want to go deeper go and check Uh, The ebook version, every link within the text as well as the reference is clickable.
1: Every now and then, we have a lot of buzz around certain technologies, and Gartner calls it the technology hype cycle, where we have technologies moving from technology trigger to peak of inflated expectations and so forth. For me, it started with BI and then big data, Internet of Things, and the noise moved around to streaming analytics, real time analytics, event streaming. And now we have low-code, no-code. What does digital transformation has to do with low-code, no-code?
0: Oh, <laughs> I loved your first two questions. I love this even more. <laughs>
1: because you go read uh, someone's white paper on big data, you'd think like executive would take away, like this is the thing that I need. I can't achieve my goals if I don't have big data, if I don't have IoT. So help us understand why low-code or no-code?
0: Yeah. It's really about empowerment. It goes back to the culture and the citizen. Their people love empowerment. It's very simple. People like. Sometimes you know I, I've been in in conferences where the CIOs were comf- complaining. Businesses looking lo- using their credit card and going and buying software, right? Because in this XaaS, software as a service, platform as a service, you can just have a CRM system just. Couple of clicks, you got a CRM system. There, of course, there is the Salesforce, but there are the Zoom and other. There's an explosion today. So people empowerment is at the core of it, and of course the startups. So I often ask, uh, who, who's using Clokotog? And I say. You know, startups love it because the founder can build an application. Maybe it's just an MVP. Just and, and if they use something like design thinking, or recently I got introduced, recently it's more than a year, design sprint, which is in five days, you can have a minimum viable product. So it's extremely important not to forget this culture of the need to get things fast. But to your first question, do it right. Do it right with the
1: security. You talk about companies postponing their digital transformation and how it equates to operating a cart with square wheels. What do you mean by that?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, as we know, uh, IT especially, uh, let me come from IT, but it also can happen any level, any organization, the marketing, the sales, the production, etc., often are doing maintenance and they are ha- very happy with their tools. And sometimes they know, often they know, they need to do things like refactoring, modernize. By the way, there's still COBOL developer development. You know, there's the other day, <laughs> a couple of months ago, I heard of LISP. Yeah. Are you kidding me, Lisp? <laughs> Somebody even mentioned there is still Fortran out there. You know, so so your your audience might not even have heard the first course I took, and I taught eventually is Fortran. So there are these legacies, and they they are very familiar with it. They're comfortable with it. Uh, they spend decades in it. Some of them, so they're not willing to change. So that that is an incredible debt that keeps accumulating but that's not only them so the debt can happen if a company ignores blockchain and decentralization debt can happen at the marketing level at the c level that can happen accumulate really well, it's more than happen it just keeps on accumulating at the marketing level if you don't you're not leveraging ai tools you know to to know the sentiment to do the sentiment analysis of your business enormous amount of technology in those areas so that is accumulating everywhere whether we, the the executives mid level managers or the employees like it or not it's accumulating so that's why you need a holistic so so there's so two aspects that in specific areas like IoT, like blockchain, like operational excellence, low-code, no-code platforms for citizen data. So if you ignore this, and still you're probably technical, uh, GitHub, you, GitHub, you, you've heard of it, right? A lot of what you see there and courses, and and let's let's face it, many of these in the, uh, are in, in the early stages. So if you just take programming and look what there is out there, there's more than 10 million Java developers, right? The low-code, no-code community, and, and there are 10 millions in the other languages, C-sharp, C++, sharp, C plus, et etc. Even C is still very popular, yeah. but um, you, you, you don't have those numbers in low-code, no-code yet. Yeah. And, and actually, since you're on your low-code, one other small point, there have been studies that usually when organizations deploy low-code, no-code, it's not one low-code, no-code platform. That's why I'm spending a lot of time articulating the various categories of low-code, no-code. Low and typically, you might have a web application overall umbrella, low-code, no-code, low or a business process management application, low-code, no-code, low or a database application, low-code, but then you will have companion uh, products for example you might have another low code no code which does maybe part of the ai another low code no code which does which automates the integration or one which is very specialized in mobile or one which is specialized in blockchain so you will find patterns, not only the low-code, no-code low evolving in different categories. And I'm doing a series on this. Already I've done the overall, and then the BPM, and the data-centric. The next one will be integration automation. I am uh, also going to have patterns. What what are, and these are also emerging, What tools work best with others and complement. Like if you take something like integration, typically a BPM platform local will have integration capabilities, but there are others which do it much better. Some of you might like to have both, right? It's the same you had in traditional development. You had the BPM layer, for example, which spoke to the enterprise service bus. Does BPM do integration? Yes, but you can also do it through the enterprise service bus, which is a middleware that brokers. The same thing had, could happen with blockchain. You could have a middleware blockchain low code and then a BPM or a web uh, low code, no code on top of it. So these patterns, we're still in the beginning stages, early stages, will start to emerge.
1: In the messy real world of business, there's organizational politics, corporate policies, lengthy approvals. So, how do company leaders start repaying this digital transformation debt? And where do they start? Do they go building a center of excellence or what do they do?
0: Yeah, it's an incredibly important question. What I'm gonna tell you what I have seen work. And as I and I've been in you this- You can name work. any
1: vertical as well, like anyone that you have worked with, like just to just to you know convey our message that here's what works usually
0: yeah and in fact the financial services a good example because many of them have a, a lot of money i mean they, even if they save just a little bit it's enormous given given the numbers healthcare is another one by the way manufacturing of course so what i've seen work is there are two aspects one is the addressing the core the essence of your question the politics you know we don't want to change people resist change while i'm trying to and the reason i wrote one of the reasons i wrote this book is you, you, that might have worked in the past it it will not work anymore not only because of the digital trends which are coming like a tsunami but also the cultural uh, trends let, let people think why is tesla so successful and one of the many reasons is that, and, and you can go and check this, that, that Musk implements things very quickly. Sometimes he fails. He does it very quickly. I mean, compare, go and, you know, people can check how quickly it took him to be such a large company, company and, and the wealth that he accumulated and the valuation. He did it faster than what we could consider the benchmark like Apple or others. So there is a reason for that. And that's cultural reason. It's it's conviction. It's it's the way you run. It's the way you treat your employees, et cetera. So this is uh, going to be very, very important. You also talked about servant
1: leadership style.
0: Do you propose a change in leadership style? Yes. Yes. If you, I mean, how many times we've seen and that uh, Fortune 500 companies, the, the listing in Fortune. I like people to go and see. You know, in, in my time, there was a company called Digital. It was the second largest computer company. Your audience, part of it, might not even have heard of them. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know, why? You know, there is the example of Polaroid, Kodak, et and there's so many examples. Why do companies fail? Because they don't innovate fast enough. They accumulate uh, debt. They don't change their culture and they die. And there is another type of which I, I consider it also bad, that many software companies, for example, they ignore these innovations. But what happens is that they survive through maintenance fees, right? If it's an enterprise software, you have 18 to 25% maintenance fees. And and a lot of companies and, and the Fortune 2000 are really wasting their time with these organizations. Because today, with the explosion of low-code, no-code, yes, there is some immaturity. You can do things much cheaper and much faster. I'm I'm a believer that many of these low-code, no-code platforms, initially, they should offer their platforms for free and then have very robust pricing. Pricing is also crazy. That's a completely different topic. Software pricing is becoming insane. And irrational, in my opinion.
1: What does it practically take for a low-code, no-code project to become a success story throughout the company? What works in the messy real world of business?
0: Yeah, so so going back, you know, what I've seen is a department or a visionary in the organization take a risk mm. with low-code, no-code, and succeed. Right. So. So it's I've not, not seen a lot like coming from the top and saying you know we're going to be innovative. No, I've seen really champions. They put their neck on the line, so as to say, and try something out and succeed, and that starts to to radiate. That that has an incredible. I mean, oh, I want to. Oh, he, you know, the account opening did that. The account so Let's stay stay with uh, financial services. Yeah. Every financial service needs account opening. And it's getting, you know, with a lot of regulatory compliance, it's it's not easy. You have to have know your customer. It's the first experience your customer is having. So you want to innovate. You, you want to be very robust uh, and consistent and omni-channel and, and you know fast. And have there's a lot that gets many departments. You say the problem is, you know i'm mentioning account opening and there are many others like you know in the customer relationship domain that often an organization is organized hierarchically the pyramid and that's the biggest debt they are accumulating hmm. they're p- pyramidical, it's the biggest and we we are almost providing incentives to organizations not uh, to be innovative because processes go across, right? So you're structured, you know this in this pyramid and everybody has their turf True. and and they look at the world through their turf. Whereas what is really happening, like account opening or uh, any kind of dispute or customer service or even marketing, it's going across. Like your market research has to impact your product. It has also to impact your services. There are studies. uh, People have forgotten the principles uh, of Lean and Six Sigma, for example. I, I remember a bank just focused on getting rid of waste in their internal operations through low-code, no-code BPM. And this is what happened. The experience of their customers, which is external, changed. And there are known principles. Motorola did it. I have written extensively upon it that if you get rid of the waste and it all deals with this term we're so afraid of, silos, right? The hierarchical organizations really creates and provides incentives for silos. If we get rid of that, that the process go across and you're getting rid of waste and the communication, the single version of the truth, single version of the process, single version of the business rules is consistent across the organization. The experience, the, which is the Six Sigma principle, Six Sigma comes outside in critical to quality, critical to cost, critical to experience. When you are doing you know, lead time and process efficiency internally, the experience of the customers improvement. And this bank was saying, yeah, I mean, they didn't even do, uh, you know, lean Six Sigma effort, black belts, etc. They just got rid of the waste. So that's extremely important. So once you show that, once you show and companies sometimes measure it, net promoter score is one of the uh, most popular companies like American Express and others leverage it extensively. Every time anyone of your audience or yourself have answered a question on a scale of zero to ten, would you recommend us to somebody else? there is a science behind that. there is a science and they take it very seriously. so they've seen that promoter' score improve when you get rid of waste when you show that of even one process, but let it be a process that brings value, not a trivial process. Let me give you an example of a trivial and a trivial process is uh, vacation request approval right you can you can do a very efficient vacation request approval but it doesn't have business visibility so if you do something like this for account opening and it it just radiates and that's how you think big think digital start small
1: and radiate talk to us about the role of center of excellence in this context?
0: Yeah, so there are the central of excellence in organization, and I call it digital transformation center of excellence. So the center of uh, excellence has a maturity model. You know, a lot of these principles I'm mentioning have been around for decades. People just don't, they think they've changed. No, there's a maturity model still viable. You You have to know where you're going, otherwise you'll end up nowhere. Okay, so you have to have. So the center of excellence has a, a number of key elements in its charter. One of them is governance. So it goes back to the first question you asked. Are we choosing the right platforms? The combination of the platforms? What is our organization's reference uh, architecture? What is the cloud strategy? What is the low code? What low code, no code platforms? As I told you, majority of successful deployments will have multiple low code, no code, not just one. So there, there is a whole bunch of governance issues. Second is enablement. It's in the uh, chart. The enablement means. This debt, digital transformation debt. So my recommendation will be to have a requirement. They people read the book, you know, and they, they are tested on it. They they need you need to, to educate them. A lot of the things we're talking about, as I told you, I talked to some people who think they're experts and, and you know they're investing in local knowledge I mentioned certain platforms, they have not heard of it. I don't blame them. This area is moving very, very fast. I myself have difficulty to keep up. In these two domains, code local, local and blockchain so so that's another one. education, education and enablement, but not just so there again here there is a balance. there's a balance between too much education on a platform versus which has its usually platforms have their own language, et cetera. It's important, but then also too much education in theory. you have to, you need to to have the balance. So, so you need to understand what is this digital transformation data about, what is low-code, no-code, citizen developer, citizen data scientist is about. But then you need expertise in particular platform. And, the, and then the third is, I would say, the methodology methodology is the foundation so today we have design thinking which we didn't mention so far i didn't mention design sprint and in the book i do something very innovative and powerful i've been working on this on the relation between design thinking Mm -hmm. design sprint mvp with low code no code you will see an illustration in the book that is the charter, one of the most important, the third pillar uh, of the responsibility of the uh, center of excellence.
1: And who leads and, this center of excellence? And where do people come from? Do they come from IT? Do they come from business? Like the composition of it.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, sometimes I get, asked, oh, who should, uh, you know, who is running this? Uh, you know, what are the examples? The answer is yes, I've seen it all. Sometimes, uh, typically, it's part of IT because you have governance issues, but you can have innovative business. I would say the best solution, uh, one thing we should be very careful is that I believe, and this is my vision, that a lot of the distinctions and divisions between IT operations and business is artificial. I think they have to be obliterated. They should especially with the younger generation, this will maturity model it will take a while it's artificial i I don't believe in it now, of course you you need it, but as the tools become more powerful, we are several years away from this, those will be if not obliterated, they will mesh together so my my the best organization is to have representation from both but with empowerment and and financing my vision of it is that you, you need a chief center of excellence officer it becomes its own and, and whose responsibility and charter is to grow across the silos and try to melt those silos right. so so companies have if they're serious about alleviating debt these three pillars i mentioned the 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 governance, the enablement methodology. These are not trivial things. This is what will help you do continuous improvement and continuous innovation. Not just continuous improvement, but continuous. Innovation. Who's going to do that? You know, business, IT is going to look in one thing. And there are other types of silos, by the way. There are silos on product lines, right? Mm-hmm. Different types of, you know, there is a mortgage uh, financial. There's a mortgage product line, and there is a banking product line, etc. So there are these product line silos. They might have their own vice presidents, right? <laughs> so there is nice. the structural silos like business, IT, operation, but there are product line silos. So it's it's a it's a complete mess. So, you need this empowered organization that goes across, but again, with a maturity roadmap, very specific, like level one, this what, or, or MM1 with a maturity level one, that's what we're going to do. Level two, that's what we're going to do and say, and then should be held accountable to achieving these objectives.
1: What are the value streams, and why do you think it's important to start from the value streams?
0: Yeah. So let's uh, just for the to level set. Let's define what is a value stream. It's a very using term. And my approach is there are a lot of terms out there that, in my opinion, and not everybody agrees, even in academia and, and in different industries. But they are basically synonyms. Value stream. Another one is value chain. And two other terms we hear constantly are process and workflow. I use these more or less synonymously. And perhaps a characterization of value stream and definitely value stream and value chain, and I'm reminded I'll come back to why I'm mentioning value chain is that it goes through states like the the customer, so let's take the account opening. The customer came to the site through marketing. That's one state. The customer um, did some investigation, another state. The customer, you know, opened, went to the form and opened the account. That's another state. The account is being, the customer information is being verified, know your customers. That's another thing. IT uh, enabled opening of the account. That's another state, etc. And then now the last state is the account is all open. And then there are other states like the customer goes and browses products and so on. So that's, that's a state transition, right? And there could be multiple workflows. You might, I mean, we didn't touch upon it, use robotic automation for this, AI for this, you know, one of the analysts introduced the term hyper-automation, you know, you're automating as much as possible, very, very important. So you're having these types of, you know, value stream as a state transition. And I mentioned another synonym is value chain. The reason I like value chain is because of this statement. A chain is as strong as the weakest link. True. And that is... So important it goes back to the silo and hierarchical organization because I gave you the the states and often. Uh, more often than we can imagine, even within the same department or different departments, different organizations have responsibility of specific states or parts or chunks or chains within the value stream or the value chain. If one, you, you might have a department which is doing great, but if the you have weaknesses, that whole chain, the stream is going to suffer. Compromise. Very few people understand this. In fact i give you an example where we're all suffering. The whole world is suffering because of this problem. And that's supply chain. Right. Look at the nightmare. And I mean, we have supply chain problem within organizations. Think about the same silo. Talk about silo. This is not silo of department. This is silo of companies, even countries, even continents. <laughs> that's you know, like. Silos on steroids, right? So, and look, look at it, look at the reality. Look at the reality, what we're facing today. And it's impacting, impacting people's lives, impacting the food supply chain, the manufacturing silicon chips supply chain, you, you name it, you know, furniture, construction, everybody's suffering. It's the same problem. Take that and map it onto an organization. So it's a stream or a chain. It's a process. Uh, in fact, in supply chain, it's more, even more complicated because there, and I've written extensively about this, by the way, there are multiple tiers. It's not just one tier. You have the supplier of the supplier of the supplier yeah. of, so from the raw material. So it's compounded. And then there is the transportation, the shipping, et cetera. So you have similar problems within organizations. So if if you have weaknesses and there's no center of excellence governing and observing where are the weaknesses, the entire chain, the entire value stream will, will suffer. So it's a process, it's a workflow and a company, any organization, even a country, is an aggregate of value streams and value chains you have management value streams you have mission critical value streams and you have support value streams like hr it etc help desk is a typical example of a support uh, value stream mission critical account opening customer service marketing etc or manufacturing the goods you're manufacturing
1: great so what inspires you and what what are you looking forward to and what do you see coming like that you are really energetic about and you keep working towards that
0: i'm seeing this energy in in two domains as i mentioned and and i will throw a third underneath one of them and these two domains is the low code no code especially empowering citizen developers and citizen data scientists citizen data scientists by the way is much less mature much much less mature than citizen developers its potential for data centric organization is great so i'm seeing this energy and this these two worlds are are siloed (laughs) they're siloed and and so what motivates me is how uh, both in terms of vision and digital transformation, that book touches upon it. I'm already thinking of uh, version two. It touches upon it. And, and I would like to be part of that revolution. I like to help that revolution of bringing the decentralized decentralization with blockchain is not just technology. I mean, if you look at blockchain, it's a very boring technology. I mean, ledgers, right? You're keeping ledgers. Copies of ledgers in different databases, and you're you know sort of validating them. That's I simplified it. That's basically blockchain. How what can be more boring than ledgers? I mean, I told one time in an interview. I mean, the the, the place I've seen ledgers most is in is, is in mafia movies, right? They, they have to find the accountant. You know, where, where they have the ledger. You know So so it's a very boring technology, but people do not understand or do not appreciate the cultural ramification of really making entrepreneurs out of everybody. Uh, the, and that's where this combination with low-code, no-code. So you have the infrastructure where you can be decentralized. And you know, a term that so, so far we haven't even mentioned is decentralized autonomous organizations, DAOs. Yeah. And blockchain enables that. Vitalik has a semi-official white paper on it. I've written on DAOs. You can search my name and, and DAOs. DAOs is the is I believe is the future. And that's I mean here you're saying you're empowering the shareholders. You 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 and you might have DAOs of DAOs, by the way. And you might have robots who participate in the DAO. So you have that world, right? Which is saying, let's change, let's rethink organizations, right? This hierarchical, you know, let's say it's a public company, once a year you go and elect the board, everything is paper and it's a, call it obliterate that. Have a decentralized autonomous. You, you're asking me obliteration between business and IT and operate. Well, it's happening at an organization. I mean, Here's a, here a vision. It's not from me. I, I, you know, raise my head to them. But there is a vision that the blockchain organization, the blockchain community came up with and, you know, smart contracts, etc. There are problems in the gas price is too high. I know all of that, but those are being addressed and it's okay. immature. But bring that with low-code, no-code, right? That link, the the, the low-code, no-code community, I'm simplifying it has not understood decentralization. centralized and I'm oversimplifying it, but by and large, they have not. And this is decentralization organization, the blockchain have not understood block code, no code. If the two come together, that energizes me. It's revolution.
1: Great. Great. Now that was a wonderful you know, unpacking of some complex stuff out there. So what message do you leave to that executive who is stuck in a billion dollar company, in a $500 million company? how do they approach this
0: yeah please be bold and disrupt yourself think right. like think like a you know startup the debt is accumulating look at history the fortune the listed companies on fortune 500 why they keep on changing this is not an option anymore and also please do not ignore the new generation they <laughs> they are Sick and tired of corporate, and so so here is an opportunity. I mean, start with the book. You know, I'm not trying to say let's start. I don't. I hardly make any money other. Start with the book. You know, I'm here to help. Be bold. Be visionary. Alleviate the debt, and think about how can we disrupt ourselves. Empower, empower your people, and try to again another term which goes with all of this. Try to flatten the organization. And perhaps most importantly, and I touch upon it in the book, be bold to become a servant leader. Great. You know, there's a servant leadership organization, Greenleaf has has put it, which turns the the pyramid upside down, where the CEO becomes a, a servant and enabler and somebody who empowers. I believe the future is for servant leaders. It's not easy. It's not easy. This this. You know, silo we have created not only between organizations, but between the higher levels and the lower within the organization that has to change. And servant leader, if you treat your employees right, empower them, bring the entrepreneurial spirit in them, and you know, give them tools like low code, no code, like your company's platform, you will benefit. The bottom line will benefit, right? So, it needs boldness to become servant leaders.
1: Great. I think that's a very powerful message that you are leaving them with, and we'll definitely get in touch with you again.
0: Excellent, excellent. I enjoyed it immensely. Great questions. I wish you the best. You know, with a low code, no code platform, Agile Point is you know on the cusp of it. You know, sky is the limit, cool. and so you have enormous opportunity. I wish you the best.